Hello, everybody. My name is Jake McGrail, and alongside me is Mike Liu of CITR Sports, broadcasting live from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news and stories. It's been a while since we were on the air. We've all been busy with exams, work, the general end of the semester. But we're back here in the booth. At least the two of us are back here in the booth to recap the last few weeks of Thunderbirds action. That includes plenty of baseball, softball, and track and field, and also the golf conference championships, which went quite well for our Thunderbird as teams. Usual. As usual. <laughs> especially for the women's side. Oh, of course. Uh, as well, back in early April, UBC honored our student athletes at the annual Big Block Awards, which you were able to go to as a, mem- as a member of one of our UBC teams, member of Team Canada representing <laughs> <laughs> at the Big Block Awards. Uh. We'll get to that near the end of the show. All right, all but right. But first, we're going to start with the baseball team and yeah talk about the base uh, talking about the baseball team they've had a road heavy uh schedule the past few weeks but let's start it off with uh, something a bit more interesting uh they played an exhibition game against the vancouver canadians so the vancouver canadians for those who don't know are the high a affiliate which used to be the double a uh lots of complicated nonsense with the major <laughs> le- uh, minor league baseball uh, terminations always gets overhauled always um but basically they're playing against a professional team um before they went on their trip and yeah it was april it was on april 7th uh, the canadians hosted ubc at the famous nat bailey stadium and it was the first game with fans at the stadium since august of 2019 three years three years like this team's been <laughs> i think they played yeah they played all of their home games in oregon last yeah. season so i mean it, it was not the homecoming that the canadians wanted though as surprisingly ubc they beat the high a minor league team of the, the toronto blue jays two nothing in a seven inning game nathan shoot uh, hit an rbi single for the winning run yeah, that was a great, great uh, break in conference play. Have the chance to go play at a big Nat Bailey Stadium, get a win there. Uh, next up was a four-game road series against Bushnell, who I believe that was the team that had to forfeit games yes. against UBC way back when in the in the semester. <laughs> they actually played a full series against them this time. Uh, in game one, after falling behind 2-0 after six innings, UBC scored in each of the last three, including two in the ninth off a Nolan or double and and a Bushnell throwing error to win for three, and uh, late inning runs turned out to be a theme for UBC baseball the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately they were on the wrong side of that uh, on for games two and three. Uh, they lost on two walkoffs. First off, they were up four to two going to the ninth, but rookie reliever Sean Hepner gave up three hits, then hit a batter, which puts them on base. Um, so that basically just drove in the uh, the Beacons' winning run on a hit-by-pitch. Yeah, not not a very uh, climactic end <laughs> to the game. Uh, then game three, that was a marathon. The score was tied 1-1 going into the ninth. UBC again took a late lead off a tie penner to RBI double only to then give up two runs off a fielder's choice and a wild pitch to send it to extra innings. The game went to the 12th, where Jake Richmond Benner walked three straight Bushnell batters to load the bases. Cameron Sanderson, who's normally an infielder, came in to him to came in for him to pitch, but immediately gave up an RBI single. Yeah, so um, from everything that's been going on with the baseball team, health, health has been the, one of the biggest issues. And as you can see... Specifically amongst the pitchers. Specifically amongst the pitchers. It is tough out there on the mound. 
Uh, fortunately for them, UBC got back to their winning ways in Game 4. They pulled off a 5-2 victory. Brett Corbeth was the star with three RBIs, including a two-run two homer. They put the game out of reach in the ninth, while also pitching seven innings where he gave up four hits and two runs. That is insane. Yeah, we're going to see some of that too once we get to the softball team later, but the, the pitcher hitting double-dipping, uh, double quite impressive. I mean... Talk about starting two-way stars early, right? <laughs> UEC's bats came alive in the first game of their series this past weekend against Corbin, ripping off 13 hits and 11 runs to win in an 11-4 blowout. Nathan Shute was unstoppable. He had four hits, including a two-RBI single, a two-RBI double, and an RBI triple, <laughs> nearly hitting the cycle in this game. And Corbeth hit his first home run of the season in the fourth Eight different Thunderbirds recorded hits. It was it was just a great day. I mean, hey, you got if the bats are going, they're going, right? Uh, the next two games, unfortunately, were a lot more low scoring. UBC lost game two one nil, wasting a great game from pitcher Ryan. Uh, Beitel? 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce okay. it. We're, we're going to go with Beitel here. Uh, <laughs> he threw a complete game while giving up just four hits and one walk. We should know his name if he's throwing out numbers like that. Jeez. Uh, game three saw a combined 11 runners left on base. As despite a lot of hits, the final score was just 2-1 to one UBC. All three runs were scored on homers with uh, UBCs coming from Brandon Hoop. Yeah, and re- really poor Ryan. We're just going to call him Ryan, Ryan for right now, but... Uh, Honestly, pitch a complete game, one run, you can't get four, anything. Four for... hits as well. That's insane. Just like... absolutely nothing from your teammates. No. That's quite d- disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the Birds took game four, five to two. Hoop hit two more home runs for three RBIs. Thunderbirds were also helped by Corbin committing three errors, including a throwing error in the first that scored them their first run. Yeah, and now UBC is 10-9 in conference play, third in the 17 uh, CCC. Their final series of the regular season is here at home this weekend against Oregon Tech, who are right below them in the standings. And guess who's also below them in the standings as well? <laughs> Bushnell. They're 9-10 and, and 10 themselves. So it could have proved costly dropping those two games if one of these teams uh, decides to leave. Yeah, def- definitely a very close playoff race yes. here to close the regular season. Is it, It's four I th- teams? I think it's top three. From Only top three. From uh, previous history, at least. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, that would make sense, given that it's only seven teams yeah. in the division. So UBC will like, will ha- they'll have to get at least a split yes. against Oregon Tech, and maybe more depending on how Bushnell does yeah. but, uh, on it, the weekend. It is tough. <laughs> but at least they're here at home. Yeah. So that, that'll, be, that'll be good. Uh, now looking at the softball team, oh, oh, since we last did the show, they've played three weekend series, <laughs> 11 games in total, playing in both Montana and Oregon as well as here at home. And like the baseball team, they've continued their season-long streak of playing roughly 500 ball. I mean, hey, it could be worse, right? Yeah, it could be, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. Uh, first up was a road series against Carroll College in Montana. I wonder how they got there. Um, where UBC took the first game 3-2, to two, scoring all their runs in the third inning, including an R- a two-RBI double from Olivia Malescu. The Fighting Saints then responded by mercy ruling the birds in game two, taking it 10-2 to two after five innings. Yeah. The softball seems to have much more blowouts usually than baseball does. I mean, if 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 a if a pitcher is feeling it, 
if they're not it, <laughs> like that, it's a bloodbath. Yeah, well, UBC then responded to Game 3 by Mercy ruling the host, <laughs> winning 8-0 in five innings. Shelby Kemple held the Saints to just a single hit in those five innings, while Molesky had three RBIs, Emma Duvall had two. Almost a, almost a no-hitter there for almost. Shelby, Shelby Kemple. I mean, I, I'd want to see if... Um, if any team can, if any team will finish the season with a perfect game, that's what I want to. That's what I want to. Maybe see. a bit easier if your offense can help you out by mercy ruling. You only have to pitch five innings. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next up was the three game series at home against Powerhouse College of Idaho, and it did not go well for UBC. They got swept. Uh, game one was a six two loss, where UBC just had four hits, all from Dorval and Mia Valk. Kemple was taken out after just one and a third innings after allowing four runs. Yeah, not close to a no-hitter that time. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> for Kemple. Things didn't get any better as the Thunderbirds <laughs> then lost game two 7 nothing. They were down 6-0 after the second inning. Only managed two hits all game. Again, only Dorval and Valk getting hits. Only, <laughs> only two players in the lineup. A uh, few other players finally got a hit in game three but UBC only managed to score off a throwing error, and they lost 4-1. to one. So not not a great series. No. Um, I mean, it's par for the course, though. College of Idaho is... One of the top teams, not not just in the in the conference, but the entire NAIA. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it makes sense. It just kind of sucks. <laughs> Finally, last weekend, UBC traveled to Oregon. They played a more evenly contested series against Corbin. UBC out-hit Corbin 9-6 in Game 1, and the score was tied 4-4 going into the 7th. Led by Nicholas Salas, two RBI singles. But the Warriors pinch hitter Sarah Bradshaw, she hit a walk-off home run to take a 6-4 to win. I mean, pinch hitter coming into the final inning, walk-off home run. I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> you can't really get <laughs> any better than that. I mean, the manager probably is patting himself on the uh, pin. <laughs> genius. 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 Uh, Thunderbirds, they were on a four-game losing streak after that loss, but they then snapped it in game two of this series, winning 4 nothing. Volk hit her third home run of the season to make it 2-0 early. But the biggest story, the play of rookie pitcher Shea Sever, who not only pitched a complete game shutout, allowing five hits and a walk, struck out seven, she also hit two for three for the night with an RBI single. I mean, give yourself your own run support, right? <laughs> Absolutely incredible <laughs> stuff. She scored more runs than she allowed. I mean, that's like Shohei Otani numbers right there. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to equate the two from now on. Uh, the bats came alive for both sides in the game three, uh, with UBC scoring a combined seven runs in the fourth and fifth en route to a 9-5 to win. Kempel might have lasted less than two innings on the mound, but she pro- brought it at the plate, hitting three for three with two doubles, while Emma Dorval had three RBIs. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good series for hitting for UBC, the, the main pitching duo. <laughs> And then finally, the final game of the series was an 11-10 to 10 thriller, although UBC came out on the losing end. They were up 7 nothing in this one before Corbin roared back, scored three runs in the seventh to take a walk-off win. That's three combined, or no, no, four combined walk-off losses between baseball and softball just in the last couple weeks. 7 nothing, the most dangerous lead in softball, apparently. <laughs> you never want to be up 7 nothing. <laughs> that's when the other team really starts to believe. Oh, no. Now, despite scoring 10 runs, UBC only had seven hits all game. That includes Sever hitting her first career home run. 
mean, I guess there were a lot of walks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of walks, some errors. That's all you oh, need. Oh, Lord. Uh, the, th- uh, the Thunderbirds now have just one more series uh, to play in the regular season. They're on the road against Warner Pacific. They're currently fifth with a conference record of 14 and 13. And they can lock up that playoff spot with just two more wins. Yeah, the top four in the conference is very, very far in front. So UBC, just a couple more wins and they can get fifth and they should be uh, good to make the playoffs. Hopefully they do. Now on to a team that has just been top to bottom dominant, our golf teams. They started their postseason with the CCC Championships this past weekend. Before that, a couple weeks ago, they took part in the Corbin Spring Invite as their final tune-up. In Salem at the Creekside, Creekside Golf Club, both teams stuck to the status quo, with the women finishing leaps and bounds ahead of their competitors, and the men's performing well but falling a few shots short of pole position. Yeah, the women's competition over at the the Corbin Invitational was not very close. <laughs> it was just a single round event for for the women's side, and the five Thunderbirds stretched out the margin of victory to twenty three shots, ending at a total of twelve over. While the Northwest Nazarene Nighthawks finished at thirty five over in second place. That's a pretty cool. Name, what though. that's one of the best school names that I've seen in a long Northwest time. Northwest Nazarene Nighthawks. You have the triple M alli- <laughs> and all- alliteration. Beautiful alliteration. And you, you have Nighthawks. It's like, that's so sick. Yeah. Uh, individually, the T-Birds were just as magnific- uh, magnificent. Elizabeth Labe won gold with her plus two performance, while Sonia Tang and Esther Lee finished a shot back in a tie for second. Grace Bell was another shot behind in a solo for fourth, and Shania Romandaban rounded out the group with her plus five tied for fifth performance. I mean, that's just about running not just the podium, but the entire top five right there <laughs> outside outside of that one tie for fifth. But it's just been how it is this season for I mean, the like, women's golf team. The fact that 23 shots is even the biggest margin of victory is nuts. Yeah. And uh, for the men, a win always felt within reach, but it was the Lewis-Clark State Warriors who proved too hot to catch on day two as the men's. Uh, tournament at Corbin was a two-day event. The T-Birds wound up tied for second with Oregon Tech Owls at 30 over, 15 shots back of the eventual champions. And three T-Birds had top tens with J.P. Collard leading the way with a plus four, good enough for a third-place tie. Uh, Russell Howlett and Dylan McDonald were solo six and eighth, with the former finishing at plus five, the latter at plus seven. Mackenzie Bickle and Michael Volk wound up finishing at plus 16 for a tie for 23rd. Yes, and then just a few days ago, the trifecta of University Golf Championships kicked off with the CCC Finals at Eagle Point Golf Club in Oregon. The women, splashing with the minnows, were as dominant as we have come to expect this year, while the men, after a couple of tournaments where they were just falling a bit short, they found their game, turned some heads, and they also won a pennant of their own. Hey, I mean, <laughs> talk about finding your stride at the right time. Yeah, pe- peak, you got to peak uh, at the right time. Exactly. Unless you're the women's team, you just peak the entire the season. season. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, it, a couple of bad results. I mean, well, not bad, but like a couple of okay results. And you go, if you fin- if you go strong all the way, there's kind of, you feel a lot of pressure to keep it up. But now you're hungry just to prove people wrong. If you're, if you're coming in with a little bit of a shaky form. But la- uh, let's stick with the women's first. Labe shot a uh, second round 68, the best score of the tournament by three shots. Um, she, overcome the f- she overcame a four-shot deficit. She won the individual title by a single stroke at even par. Sonia Tang was a, sto- a stroke back. Grace Bell finished tied third at plus six. And Shania Romandaban was six with a plus eight, with Emily Lee finishing out with a solo tenth at plus 17. Yeah, the Thunderbirds 
after day one of this two-day tournament, they led in the team score by 30 strokes. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough. Then in the second day, they could only, in air quotes, stretch their lead by another 15. And they finished with a score of 14 over. Oregon Tech, who finished second, was 59 over. They won. They won the tournament, the conference championship, by 45 strokes. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. I mean, Oregon Tech, they had, on day two, they were 21 shots better than they were on day one. And then they still lost by 45. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least they learned from the yeah, course. Yeah, they, they did a lot better. Still lost. Still lost. I mean, that <laughs> just goes to show the depth of the UBC team. Labu was named CCC Player of the Year, while Tang, Romandaban, and Lee joined her on the All-CCC team. Skipper Chris McDonald, who led the team to a win in every tournament this season, took home a well-deserved Coach of the Year honors. I mean, that bears repeating. Every tournament this season, undefeated. they have won. They are undefeated. Of course, knocking on wood, because there's still a couple... More, more big tournaments. Two more? Three more? Um, I think it's two more. Two more. Yeah, two more. Two Wait. more championship tournaments, yes, I think. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And, uh, but still, it, going from, when, when was the, when would the first tournaments be? Like, be September, October? September, yeah. Like, September all the way to April, winning every time you get out there on tournament play. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the on the other opposite end of the spectrum, the men's team, they were, took part in a three-day thriller to clinch their title. The team trailed Lewis Clark State and Bushnell by four after day one, but a scintillating second-round performance and then a steady final day meant that they triumphed over the Warriors by four strokes, a final score of 25 over compared to 29. And double championships, men's and women's. You know what? That's a very, I mean, very, very impressive result. Individually, the pressure was just as suffocating. Russell Howlett was locked in with a duel with Bushnell's Andrew Webb throughout the final round, one that only came to a close with Webb eking out a win on the third playoff hole after they both (laughs) finished with a plus two. I mean, Howlett, he can at least be consoled by the fact that they did win the championship, the team championship. But still, that that's got to sting a little bit. You're so close to that individual title, and it, on a third playoff, that you is, lose it. The third playoff is just you're 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 cutting it so <laughs> close at this point. Uh, Ethan DeGraff, Mackenzie Bickle, and Dylan McDonald they finish at nine, ten, and ten over respectively. The first was a tie for eighth place. The other two shared tenth, and then JP Callert was three shots back in a tie for 12. And like the women's team, four T-Birds on the men's side were selected to the all-CCC team. Howlett, DeGraff, McDonald, and Collard. Uh, Howlett and DeGraff shared Player of the Year honors with uh, Lewis and Clark State's... Um, is it Lewis and Clark State? Yeah, probably. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go with that. Uh, <laughs> Christoph Pank. As all three finished the season with identical stroke averages. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen that in any sport where there are three different players who are all named Player of the Year. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, 76ers fans would probably take that right now. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't, we can't talk too much trash, but the Raptors are still losing in the series. Okay, 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 okay. Fine, 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 fine. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time we're on the show, we'll be able to talk a lot of trash. But we'll, we'll see. We'll have we'll to see. keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> Someone's knocking on wood in today's show. It's true. Uh, both the men's and women's golf teams have now pinched or pinched, punched? punched their tickets to the, to, to the NAIA finals. 
The men play first. That's from May 17th to 20th at TPC Deer Run in Silvis, Illinois. That's a regular PGA Tour soccer high-quality course for them to play on. It'll be pretty challenging. Uh, the women then follow a week later at Lincoln Park in Oklahoma City. They're the defending champions in this event from three years ago. And they can expect the stiffest test of their season at this event. It, it's a, it, it does feel a bit funny be, to say they're the defending champions from a championship that happened in 2019. <laughs> I mean... You'll take it. Time is a flat circle, so... There, it, no difference. No difference. Yeah. We are now going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs. Once we come back, we'll be talking about track and field and then a lot about the big block awards. There is a drinking water settlement for First Nations, and the claims process is now open. If you are a First Nations member impacted by a long-term drinking water advisory, you may be eligible for compensation. This is the first drop in recognizing those communities impacted. Submit your claim at firstnationsdrinkingwater.ca. Looking to get a reliable and affordable used bike? Need a repair or service to your current ride? Come to the Bike Kitchen, UBC's full-service community bike shop, located in room 36 of the UBC Life Building. Our hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you buy a bike from us, bring it back when you're done using it, and we'll give you half of your money back as long as you took care of it. If it needs repairs, we'll split the cost with you. Yep, you heard us right. We'll give you crisp dollar bills for half the original price of any used bike that you buy from us, minus the cost of repairs. For more information about our buyback policy and to stay up to date on any COVID-19 inspired changes, find us online at thebikekitchen.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye here on CITR 101.9. And since we were last on the air, there were five different track and field meets that included UBC athletes. And we'll touch on the top performers from each. All right. First off, we have the SFU Emily Mondor Invitational on um, April 9th. Well, the conditions were very windy. Through that, Hannah Sobkowicz nearly broke her personal best in the 200-meter sprint, finishing second just ahead of teammate Kyla, uh, Kayla Smith. On the men's side, uh, Bill McWay, Spencer Hardy, and Liam Dwyer finished second, third, and fourth in the 1,500-meter race. Yeah, and then later that week, there were three California meets that happened at basically the same time. Uh, the Brian Clay Invitational in Azusa, the Mount Sac Relays in Torrance, and the Beach Invite in Long Beach. So obviously... It was, a ca- it, was a, it was a case of UBC athletes spreading out and taking part at just one of these events each, really. Makes for a fun California trip, it looks like. I think, right? Yeah. Uh, Azusa, in, in Azusa, uh, Haley Kyer was the star of the show as she recorded a distance, a distance of 45.94 in the women's javelin throw. The best mark this season of any NEIA athlete. Holly McGill- McGilvery... McGillivray? McGillivray? I, I think it's McGillivray. McGillivray, yes. Uh, also recorded an NAIA season's best time in the women's 1500 meters race at 4 minutes, 23 seconds, and 74. While Kyla Becker did the same with a time of 35, 40, 26 in the women's 10K race. 
that's a lot a lot of NAIA best times coming yes. from UBC athletes. The women's team was very good at this meet. At the same meet, Jamie Hennessy broke her personal best in the 3,000-meter steeplechase, winning her race with a time of 10 minutes, 36.35 seconds, while friend of the show and friend of our colleague Ollie Nicholas, uh, Joshua Kozel, qualified for nationals in the 10-kilometer race. All right, and make sure you remember this name. At Mount Sac, Rowan Hamilton con- con- continued his absolute dominance in the hammer throw, breaking his personal best with, with a 73.66 meter toss. It was not only the best score in 2022 for all the NAIA, NAIA athletes, but also than any of the junior colleges and NCAA competition in the States. Rowan Hamilton, literally the best hammer throw. hammer throw performance of 2022 by a collegiate athlete by a collegiate athlete anywhere yes <laughs> in north america exactly so absolutely insane it, it it's incredible so i mean keep a, remember the name because who that's knows a, and that's a, that a bc boy bc He's boy from chilliwack i think yeah we might see him just at the 2024 games who knows <laughs> i mean with with numbers like that you'd have to think that he uh, he can he can get there if he keeps improving absolutely uh, D- uh dylan ulrich also broke his personal best in the 3000 3, meter steeplechase with a time of 8 minutes 57 seconds and 17 uh do I say hundreds or tenths? Now that I think about uh, it, would be seventeen. Well, I guess seventeen hundredths. Seventeen hundredths. Yeah, okay, we'll go yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, last week, a few Thunderbirds took part at the multi-event championships in La Grande, Oregon. Hashi Fashina Bombata and Rebecca Dutchak were the most successful as they finished second and fifth in the heptathlon, qualifying for nationals. Heptathlon, decathlon. Those might be honestly like the most impressive track and field I mean, events that you could do. Like, I mean, you got to be good at so many things. There's a reason why um, the athletes and heptathletes are considered the greatest athletes in the world. Whenever they win, like they mm-hmm. they are legit, they have a legitimate claim to being the single most greatest athlete in the entire world. Uh, the CCC Championships are just a couple weeks away. There's a few more warm-up meets before then, including this weekend's Ralph Vernaccia Invitational at Bellingham. And let's turn our attentions back to early April, where we had the Big Block Awards. For um, it was held on April seventh. It was given to many uh, the many different varsity teams uh, and athletes of UBC athletics. They also unveiled the latest induction class for the UBC Sports Hall of Fame. And Mike, you were there at the Big Block Awards at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. What, what was that experience like being there? I mean, it was great because I mean, this is the first Big Block Award since. Um, since 2019 the 2020 edition got canceled for obvious reasons now <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i mean the vibes were great we all the um, every team that uh, could show up turned up i mean obviously you had some of the swimmers who were off at the canadian uh, canadian championships but um yeah uh it, it was a great just a gathering of ubc the, the ubc varsity community athletes uh, coaches everybody there uh, and uh, and we had some two really 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 great MCs. First off, we had um, Emily Cordonier, for a former UBC women's volleyball player, also hosts on CBC for uh, as a volleyball analyst. And she called some uh, volleyball games yes. this season at War Memorial Gym. I did. I had the great opportunity to do that with her a couple of times a few months ago. It was no, a great time. Knows her stuff. Great person. Oh yeah, she. <laughs> 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 I I I feel like well, I mean, it, maybe it's not a fair comparison just because. I'm I'm still definitely not a volleyball expert, but just just 
calling games with her for a few hours, I feel like I just kept learning more and more about volleyball. Like every time she talked, it was just like, dang, I, I, I'm just going to be quiet. I just <laughs> let you say like, everything. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a strategy that doesn't fail. Uh, and on the, on the flip side as well. We also had Evan Dunphy hosting as well. Friend of the show. Uh, friend of the show. Olympic bronze medalist now. Um, it, it was a great ceremony. And I mean, hey, uh, credit where credit's due. I think that was Evan's first real public public speaking engagement. So round of applause. It was really great. <laughs> yeah, moving on to the awards now. It was Women's Rowing who won the Du Vivier Team of the Year Award. They won their third straight national championship in 2021. They medaled at every event in at nationals for the first time ever. Uh, can I say, though, women's golf robbed? Women's, honestly, <laughs> women's golf? You could argue men's rugby, maybe? Swimming? There's a lot. I mean, with the performances they had, not just counting women's rowing, who were phenomenal throughout yeah, the and year. Yeah, and like they said, the women's rowing, they did just about as well as they could have done exactly. at, their, at their nationals. So, obviously, they deserve it as well. They, It's just... There's so many excellent teams. There's a lot of great teams. Yeah, year in year out. Uh, the most excellent, the best, uh, the film, the Bus Phillips male athlete of the year went to Ryland Toth after a phenomenal season where he was named U Sports Goaltender of the Year. He led uh, UBC men's hockey to a Canada West silver medal and an appearance at nationals. He beat out Grant Aldu of uh, men's basketball and Blake Tierney of men's swimming. And the Maryland Pomfret Award for Female Athlete of the Year, also given to a hockey player, to women's hockey defenseman Rylan McKinnon. She was the highest scoring defenseman in all of U Sports, first team, all Canadian. Really great year for both the hockey teams. They were, in terms of the, the main winter sports, they were really carrying the torch, mm-hmm. both making it to nationals. Uh, the other finalists for this award were Danielle Steer of women's soccer and Savannah Bowder of women's rugby. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, again, Steer broke the goal-scoring record. <laughs> yeah, one of the highest-scoring seasons in Canada West what? history. And Bow- Can't win the award. Bowder, Dominant. Canada West MVP. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it goes to show uh, the quality of athletes. Uh, Diego Altatore, um, Alatore of the women's football... Uh, the women's football team. <laughs> I'm sorry, Diego. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Uh, Diego Alatoria of the football team won the Bobby Gall Award for top uh, graduate, uh, top graduating male athlete. He was a four-year starter for the Thunderbirds and a Canada West All-Star this past season. The other finalists were Don Carson of the, uh, Donald Carson of the men's rugby team and Jaron LaFranc of men's swimming. One of the Carson clan getting, getting some recognition there. Always. Then it was the pride of Esquimalt High School. <laughs> it might be the final time that we say that no. on this show. Uh, Emily Moore, who won the May Brown Award for Top Graduating Female Athlete, second all-time in school history and wins, top 10 all-time in U-Sports for shutouts, and also became the first U-Sports player to sign a pro contract in England's WSL with West Ham. Uh, the other finalists were Madison Gold of Women's Rugby and Shania Romandaban of Women's Golf. A male rookie of the year went to football's Garrett Rucker, who helped lead UBC back to the playoffs with strong quarterback play holding the fourth-best completion percentage in U-sports. The other finalists were Blake Tierney and rowing's Julian Weiss. Now, I'm, I'm not here to uh, question the, the award committee, but Blake Tierney, nominated for both Rookie of the Year and a Male Athlete of the Year, <laughs> and he doesn't win either of them? <laughs> how, how, does this, how is this working? <laughs> I mean, it's... 
Who is it? Different people deciding on each award? I'm actually not entirely sure, but I, it, the, the argument is so strong. I mean, Rooker won Canada West uh, Men's Rookie yeah. of the Year, which is like if you don't win your own school's Rookie of the Year, it seems a little bit um, strange, perhaps. But I mean, like, it, it it's so tight, and Tierney is a borderline Team Canada swimmer. So it, you you could go either way. <laughs> uh, it was a swimmer who won the female rookie of the year. That was Emma O'Croinen. She won the U Sports Rookie of the Year in her sport as well. Won a combined six golds and four silvers at the Canada West and National Championships. Really quite impressive. It's like it was her and Danielle Hannes who were the most dominant swimmers for this UBC yeah. team, and doing that as a rookie. That's insane. That's pretty insane. Uh, the other finalists for this award were Sofia Ferreira of women's soccer and Florence Simmons of women's rugby. All right. And for other winners of different uh, other awards, Madison Gold won the K. Burley Service Award. Amanda Jones, assistant coach for six different uh, six different varsity teams, as well as being a teacher, won the Arthur W. Delamont Service Award. Sarah Godin of women's swimming won the TAC Buzz More Sports Leadership uh, um, Wow. The TAC Buzz More Leadership Award. And Alyssa Yuma of Women's Hockey won the Carolyn Doby Smith Award for Top Student Trainer. Yeah, better luck next year, Mike. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you're, very, you're very close, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, the 2022 UBC Sports Hall of Fame class also unveiled. Then they included three players, a coach and a team. The first player is Mark Nora, who is a star running back who played for the football team in the 1990s. He was named Team MVP in 1996 and in his final season was named the U Sports Player of the Year while setting multiple school rushing records. Next is Art Willoughby, who played for the men's basketball, football, and rugby teams during his time in the UBCs and in the 1930s. He started in basketball where he led the team in scoring and was also the top playmaker. He's a legendary athlete in UBC and Vancouver history. And then the final player is Betty Baxter, who captained the women's volleyball team to back-to-back national titles in 1973 and 74, also represented Canada at the 1976 Olympics, won U Sports Coach of the Year while in charge of the University of Ottawa in 1980, and coached the Canadian women's national team from 1979 to 1982. Talk about a loaded resume. And another uh, another person with a loaded resume, the coach inducted is Deb Hubund, who led the women's basketball team for 26 seasons, amassing the most wins of any coach in Canada West history. Under her, the program won three national championships, and she was named U Sports Coach of the Year in 2004. Yeah, I mean, that's about as no-brainer of an uh, induction as you're going to have, which oh. is why she was brought in literally the year after she retired. Exactly. <laughs> Just immediately put into the Hall of Fame. And then finally, the team inducted was, well, it was actually a team that spanned two seasons, the 2002 and 2003 women's soccer team, which won back-to-back national championships. They finished with a combined record of 23-3-2 in conference play over those two seasons, and in 2003 broke the record for most goals scored at the national championship tournament with (laughs) with 14 beating Ottawa 5 nothing in the final. Hey, I mean, program the program of dominance, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and finally, before we go, there's a couple more notes to hit before uh, we wrap up this episode. Yeah, uh, men's rugby, they've been romping through the playoffs. First up, they took on Mariloma on April 9th to end the regular season. They beat them 57-19. to The score was actually only 26-14 to at halftime before UBC just blew them out in the second half, 31-5. to and then this past weekend, they had a rematch against Mariloma in the playoff quarterfinals. They earned another blowout win with a score 
of 50 to 8. It actually took the, around 20 minutes for them to score, but the floodgates then open from there. Yeah, and this weekend they're going to be playing the semifinals. I believe they play Capilano. I don't remember exactly at the top of my head, but that's going to be taking place at UBC. Uh, and also, shout out last week, UBC men's basketball star Sukman Sandu was selected by the Fraser Valley Bandits of the CEBL Draft, Canadian League Basketball League. It's a bit of a homecoming as he played for the University of the Fraser Valley before transferring to UBC this past season, but obviously the uh, FV Bandits now play in Langley, so he's sort of like in between them. <laughs> I guess it's homecoming. It's in the general area. Yes. <laughs> and he, he's, he's staying clo- close to home. He's not even from the Fraser Valley. I have no idea. He's from Surrey. He's from yeah, Surrey. Exactly. I, I did look it up. So right. he, he's bounced around Surrey, Abbotsford, Vancouver, Langley, hit, hitting up everywhere in the lower mainland. Oh, yeah. All right. And now let's preview the action coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, like we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, Track and Fuel has uh, the Ralph Vernaccia Invitational. It'll be, it'll be happening in Bellingham this Saturday. Uh, softball has an alumni game going on at UBC. Um, there'll, be, uh, there'll be first pitches at 1.30. Baseball, they take on Oregon Tech, like mentioned, with a lot of playoff implications. Uh, it's going to be started off with a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, and it will extend all the way through um, until Sunday, where they play in another double, in another doubleheader. Track and field then has two more meets in the upcoming weeks. Uh, in the upcoming weeks, they have on May 6th, they'll be in Eugene, Oregon uh, at the Oregon Twilight Meet. They'll also be having a track and field at Oregon, uh, at Port, Port, Oregon, 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 Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yes. Uh, combined name. Oh, Port- uh, Oregon. Yes. Um, and then softball has their um, CCC championships going on uh, until starting from May 6th until the 8th. Baseball has their CCC championships. Hopefully. Hopefully. That'll be taking place at Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, That starts on May the 9th, goes until the 11th. And then track and field has two more meets. They have the um, CCC championships. Not two more, one more, sorry. One meet extending over two days on the 13th and 14th. They'll be in Ashland, Oregon for the CCC championships. Yeah, a lot of championships postseason coming up for our uh, summer summertime teams and Mike covered a bit more than a week right there yes. as you mentioned that's because while we are planning to continue to do shows over the summer it won't be every week it'll probably be more like every two or three weeks we don't have an exact schedule it'll depend on how our schedules work out who we can bring on the show uh, we will announce when we'll be having shows ahead of time on social media so keep an eye out for that And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. Next up on CITR is the All Access Pass. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake McGrail and Mike Liu with contributions from Corey Branson. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day.